Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Cast Haven. You can find out more at patreon.com slash eternaldirtles. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, the Dirtle Magus, and with me as always is Nathan Gullion. Nate, how's it going? Pretty good. How about yourself? How was Hascon? It was uh it was a lot of fun, man. It was uh it was it was a lot different than what I thought it was gonna be, but uh I had a I had a really good time. Um did you I saw you I mean you got to do iconic masters draft. Yep, we and, uh, we've uh, posted up uh I have two iconic masters draft uh uh, not drafts, uh, sealed decks. That Sorry, I, sealed decks, yeah. Uh, I post online. Then uh, with the rest of the uh, folks from Hipsters that were there, uh, we did, we decided to do a draft as well, and the draft I think is going to be live this week. Now, did you play against anyone from Leaving a Legacy, and did you win, if so? I Well, I okay, so I don't know if you count uh, Aaron specifically uh, as being from Leaving a Legacy. Yeah. Um. So if we do, yes. And and yes, um, I also played Kate, and I believe I believe I won. I'm not positive. Unfortunately, so the the way that they did the um, sealed uh, event for the pre-release was actually pretty good as far as I was concerned. But it was way different than what you're used to as far as the sealed events concerned. So you crack your you crack your packs, you make your deck, then you find someone to play. Oh, weird! You That's play cool. one game with a free mulligan. Then you each sign your your uh, player slip and you go and uh, tell the person, the judge, hey, uh, I won or lost. And then they just send you to winner or loser bracket and you wait till someone shows up and you begin playing again. So there's no waiting in between rounds to see like who you're going to play next, which means that I was able to get in like four seals on the first day. I That's was just able cool. to go one, 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 one. And it basically took me an hour each time, which was which was really cool. I was able to do. That's why I was able to do two sealed deck openings and and uh, um, and video them too. What did you did you get anything cool? What, what did you think of Iconic Masters? Well, okay, so my first my first deck uh, was a black white like life gain deck that had uh, uh-huh. Elish, Elish Norn and Lord of the Pit in it, and that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, That's pretty cool. Th- uh, th- there wasn't a real way. I didn't see any ways to animate uh, your your like creatures, so I just played with uh, uh, Thrawn Dynamo and try to ramp him out that way. So that was uh-huh. fun. Um, then uh, the next sealed deck I got, uh, I went black and white again with a life gain deck. Uh, unfortunately, my pool wasn't as good, but I got like this ridiculous combo of Angelica Cord uh, times two and Tavern Swindler from, from Return to Ravnica. Okay, hold on a second. I shouldn't be Googling cards in Iconic Masters. We'll get to that in a second. So Angelica Cord is a four-man enchantment that at the end of your turn, if you've gained four life that turn, you put a 4-4 angel into play. Yeah. Um, And so I This has one printing in the Magic 2014 core set. Yeah, not Iconic specifically, but I think, uh, you know, you you, you need some filler for for deck archetypes and stuff. Yeah. So Tavern Swindler is a 2-2 for two from Return to Ravnica, that um, you can tap it and pay three life to flip a coin. If you win the coin flip, you gain six life. Huh. So I took what <laughs> what was in Return to Ravnica, a, a marginally playable, like, I would consider it a, a two out of five card. It's like a fine two two mana for two, a two-two. That occasionally, <laughs> like, you would be like, well, I'm going to die. I might as well see if I don't die, you know? Um <laughs> And, and and I've played I've played enough Return to Ravnica sealed that occasionally that matters but not often. Um, but the the like flip a coin and gain two angels is a pretty good uh, mechanic. Weird. That's so cool. <laughs> so it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the, the the decks were weird and janky, and it was a lot of fun to play with. And I opened value like in every one of my pools, I got some real value. So that was nice. Is just being able to be like, oh. This wasn't a waste of $60. Um, I think when I pick up, uh, I got like a Grove of the Burn Willows, uh, R- River of Tears, some Filter Lands, Elish Norn, of course. Uh, I picked up uh, several Blood Gas, 
Um, and yeah. and they had a, a there were there were some really good uh, downshifted rares and uh, uncommons as well. I didn't open up a mana drain, you know, but I already won a mana drain a couple weeks ago. So you know who, that would have really taken that really would have taken a. The wind out of winning the mana train. <laughs> would it have? Yeah. I, I mean, not that I wouldn't have loved to crack like a $90 card, but, you know, what are you going to do? Um, but the one thing that was really cool um, was how receptive Wizards was um, to the blog. I was really, uh, it was really exciting to be able to just walk up and be like, hey, Mark Rosewater, I'm Zach Clark, the founder of Hipsters of the Coast. And he was just like, I love what you do. And I was just like, oh, I love what you do. You know, it was it was, it was was a really cool moment for me to, to be able to get in there and like, Talk to the. Uh, you must not listen to the podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, whew. yeah. Um, no, yeah. I think I think he's just more aware of us as a as a site, not necessarily uh, as as a uh, a guy who gripes about design a lot. Um, but you know, the the thing I was saying to yeah, a lot of folks were like, "Wow, it'll be weird to have to talk to Mark Rosewater because I bash him so much online." I think Mark's got a thick skin about that. After talking to him, he realizes that like this is a this is a way of life for a lot of people. You know, not that this is how we're making our living, but like this is what we do for fun. It, we're very passionate about it, so it, it's it's okay to have those passionate responses to uh, to to changes in the game, to things that we don't agree with, and and he's willing to to um, stand up there with sort of a thick skin and kind of take it, which is uh, really uh, really admirable of the guy. I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, I don't think everything is is his fault either. No, but yeah, yeah, of course not. I, I, I you know, I don't know. I, I've said what I said. It just, you know, it was, I was thinking about that when I saw your picture. I'm like, God, I hope you don't yeah. listen to the Oh, book. God, yeah, yeah. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, it was it was cool. And, and I mean, also, so the other really cool thing was the swag. So uh, I picked up uh, one of the promo sets, uh, you know, Sword of Dungeons and Dragons, Nerf War, the Golden Dragon, and Grimlock Dinobot Leader, which was really cool. Like, uh, having a Transformer that's also a magic card to me is like, that's that's a dream come true for me as like a twelve year old. Well, my six year old son, I showed him the Grimlock card because he likes Transformers, and uh, he didn't quite understand the connection yeah. to the card game. Well, that's He's a like, bummer. Can you <laughs> can you play that card? Like, well, not really. I don't know. <laughs> well, they're going. My set's going right into the cube. I've set another set aside. I think we'll we'll be doing a giveaway uh, in a few months uh, with that for the Patreon. But this month. We're going to be giving away the Nerf War uh, play mat. Plus, I'm going to I'm going to throw in something else as well. So if you're if you're a patron, uh, I know we don't have a ton of you guys. Um, this is the best chance for you to to win something uh, through us at Eternal Dirtles. Uh, sorry, at Patreon.com/EternalDirtles. Uh, a dollar a dollar makes it. So you make the cut if you uh, if you pledge as little as a dollar uh, to help us out. And that and some of that goes back towards me being able to make it out to, uh, to events like this, to Hascon to bring back information for you guys. So, um, you know, and it helps me and Nate produce the podcast. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's a way for us to kind of give back. Uh, you know, we've been, we've been pretty fortunate to, to have a sponsor, uh, in Cast Haven and in, uh, in, uh, Paragon City Games. Uh, but you know, it, it's always nice to, to get a little, little bit of an extra push, uh, and it's really helped with the podcast since since we started. So, uh, it's a plus way we of, want to give the stuff away. It's fun. Yeah, to give it's stuff it's away. it's a it's a blast to give stuff away. So, uh, being able to do that is is super cool. Um, that that said, um, the the other stuff that was really neat to me was was one just being able to get in there with the other with the other people from the the website. We you know you and I interact pretty regularly, but yeah. we don't. I don't get to see Rich or um you know I see Zach Barish every day. We work together. Um, but like Kate and Aaron, we got to see, which was fun. Um, and Dana, Dana, um, was doing a lot of our, uh, uh, video and, and audio stuff, which was really awesome to get to hang out with her. Um, and, and, you know, it was just, it was just great to get, get together with the whole team and like kind of have a team, team experience. So what else was going on at Hascon? I mean, there was so much magic there. I was, I was almost surprised at how much magic was coming out, but like, what else were they doing? So it was pretty, it was pretty intense. So uh, on the fifth floor, which was like kind of the third floor, the floors I skipped, uh, mm -hmm. one, three, five, um, on the, th on the third floor, which was the fifth floor, uh, magic was happening. So you had, um, uh, the magic, uh, all the magic announcements and everything were there. A lot of the merch was there and that's where sort of all the magic players co congregated. And that was also where the press room was, where I was at a lot. Yeah. Um, the second floor, um, which was more like the third floor, um, w was, 
a mixture of uh, toys. So you had like G.I. Joe, Hasbro, uh, sorry, Hasbro, G.I. Joe and Transformers and My Little Pony and board games like Monopoly and, uh, and, and stuff like that. So there was a lot of stuff going on in, on the third floor that was a little kid related. And as you can yeah. tell probably by my voice, I'm a little congested right now because I, I had been like, you know, basically in a germ factory for, for an entire <laughs> weekend. So I'm just getting over being sick. Uh, but, but I, I, you know, there were a lot of kids and it was kind of awesome to watch, uh, kids react to like seeing like, there was like a guy there that was dressed up like a transformer that was like, he was the size of a car. Like he had the stilts on the whole thing. And like just watching kids just react to that was really, was really cool. I'm actually looking at, I used to work for a toy industry publication that covered Hasbro quite a lot. I don't see anything on their site though at the time. Yeah. They didn't have a website. So, um, um yeah, the other, so the other neat stuff they're, was they're a little behind on, uh, yeah. But anyway, the other stuff that was neat was like watching kids, like matter of factly tell their parents about like, there was like, this is a, this is Grimlock. He's a Dinobot, which is both a dinosaur and a robot. You know, yeah. like it was it was pretty great to just kind of like watch kids' interactions with their parents. Like, you know, like if my if I had a kid, my kid told me that, I'd be like, e- yeah, I know. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it's like with Eli. Yeah, yeah, Eli, I get it. Like, actually, I don't know that much about Transformers, but he has a lot of Star Wars questions. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. I, I don't know. I, I I like that. I like kids being able to get into that stuff. I took Eli to that Lego convention in uh, Utah. Oh yeah, that's, that's like, right. a couple months yeah. ago, and it was his first like fan convention, and he was so excited. And I was thinking like, this is a lifetime of nerdery I'm setting you up for yep, here. Yep. Was um, there any other? Did you manage to? T- I know you talked to a few other people um, over the course. Did you yeah. talk about Legacy specifically? Any? I, any I interesting- did. Uh, we have an interview coming up uh, that's going to drop uh, probably probably Friday. I want to say. Um, I have one with Liz uh, Liz Lamfero, uh, who did uh, who who is sort of the uh, face of the 25th anniversary, and I I asked a lot of questions in regards to Legacy uh, with her. The audio on that's kind of funky, so we're working on the audio for that right now. And I also uh, sat down with Nate Price, who uh, I, I believe he's the community manager. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sat down with Nate Price, and um, he ran me through uh, MTG Arena, which I have to say I'm super excited for. Interesting. I saw today they were looking into uh, doing redeemable card codes for that. That's going to be a real interesting experience yeah. to see where that goes. I have a lot of hope for uh, for for MTG Arena. One because it's sort of a free to play situation. So if they're going to have standard on there and standard's going to be free to play on on you know online, um, and they're ha- and, and if they have this card redeem situation, I haven't even found, heard about this yet. So that means that um, you know I'm going to be able to play standard again. Uh, and one of the main reasons that I don't play standard is one, cause it's sort of expensive to keep up with. And then two is because I don't always want to leave my house to play, you know, <laughs> I don't always want to go out on a Friday night. Cause Friday is the night where people play standard, right? I don't always want to yeah. go out on a Friday night to play, to play magic, but maybe I'm in, in, and I want to play. And I have to say that the, uh, just the UI on, on arena and how fast a game goes and how intuitive the system is is it's kind of amazing actually it's it's really good it's like you can honestly see that they they've given this they're giving this their all it's mm-hmm. not just a passable product um i was very worried about that initially i, I think uh the professor put up something re- recently that he, he he said i came in as a hater and and i walked away going this is something we can we can work with this and i really think uh you know uh, some people are going to be mad about this, but I really think that uh, this this is the death knell for MTGO in in three to five years. Well, I mean, I feel like that they're going to have they have to transition people off MTGO without it being a consumer revolt. Yeah, and uh, you know that's a thing that that they we're gonna they're gonna have to figure out. And they're going to have to get the old car. I mean, they put the like power only came to Magic Online what in the past two years two maybe years ago yeah two years ago. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. that was it's not like they they. So like, if they if they want to make it their thing and they're gonna put uh, legacy and vintage cards on there, I'm interested. I'm not even uh, uninterested in it, um, you know, at all. I just, you know, I don't know. I I don't I don't know if I could learn standard enough to make it worth it. You know. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like I play a lot of Hearthstone, um, and I play Hearthstone because there's not something like this for Magic. Yeah. Right. So the amount of dedication I put into Hearthstone on on sort of a, a monthly basis 
is is up to sometimes a hundred hours. Like I play like two ish hours a day of Hearthstone, and that's that's one hundred and twenty hours. Um, yeah, you know, like uh, added up, like you know, I go between like two and five hours a day sometimes, just messing around, uh, and I do pretty well, right? Um, if I were to be able to play standard, I mean, come on, like I, that's somewhat Magic is just a better game overall, like than, than yeah. Hearthstone. Hearthstone is just more is fun better. to watch. Yeah, standard is better than Hearthstone. Is, you know? is that the deal? Yeah, yeah, I think standard's much better than Hearthstone. I would play standard in a second, especially if I had access to everything you know like if it's a free-to-play situation and you can grind out now the thing is is if you think about like hearthstone hearthstone is a uh 30 card game so the the margins for grinding everything out are gonna have to be much more dramatic right because there there's more cards in a set than there are in a hearthstone set right um and Mm -hmm. you have access to 60 cards as opposed to uh as opposed to 30 so the the grinding is gonna have to be a little bit different um, there's going to be like a ladder situation, which, which will, will be, uh, you know, I think that'll make the game more interesting. Uh, it'll also make it so that like, when I go to a tournament, I'm prepped, I'm ready to play, you know? Um, I well, normally have to go find people to play standard with like two or three days before, uh, like a big standard tournament. And I'm like, ah, I guess I'm fine with this. And then I, I always run into something I don't know. Yeah. Well, as we're recording. Recording this Thursday night, September 14th. Uh, I think tomorrow is the full spoiler for Ixalan. We're not going to do Ixalan tonight. Um, and Ixalan's not a great legacy set, but it's sort of an interesting standard set. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> Just because of some of the cards that have been that are being printed in it or reprinted or reintroduced to the card pool. And, uh, I mean, I could, see my, I could see myself getting into a standard deck the way I did when I first came back and the, the card pool was closer to this. Yeah. Right? Um, because, like, it's funny, I, I, people were talking about, like, you know, there was a conversation going on about previously banned decks in in Standard. And, uh, like, oh, we've had all these bans, and now they're putting these answers in, which is what you need. And it was funny, because, like, the Jace and Stoneforge Standard actually had a lot of cards like this. Like, it had, first of all, it literally had Spell Pierce, you <laughs> know? Um, and then, like you know, Opt is going to be in Standard, and like, that Standard had Preordain, and that we're going to have Lightning Strike, and that Standard had Bolt, and both Standards had Duress, you know? Yeah. All these cards that are... It's funny, because, like, answers weren't the problem in the Jace Stoneforge Standard. The problem was that Jace and Stoneforge was so overpowered, yeah. right? And it's interesting to, to look back and see that that's, like, a, such a strange... In, in, the, in hindsight, that's a strange situation, because usually what happens is that there's some just, like, thing that there's no answer for like affinity or academy or i guess smuggler's copter had no good answer right yeah unfortunately um, but, oh yeah or Emercool or whatever it is but in that case like the answers were all there the like, powerful answers were all there but the cards were super super powerful that's just that's a decide just talk about like you know if this if standard is interesting enough to play and magic arena is free to play and i can redeem my cards maybe i would i, I would i could see myself looking into it more seriously because you know, you said, like, I don't want to go out on Friday night to play Standard. Uh, I don't want to play against other people who play Standard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that is also them. a thing. You know, like, uh, <laughs> one of the one of the reasons why I don't play Standard is it's such a beginner's format a lot of times that you have to explain to people how to play Magic. Um, and it doesn't feel good. Much sometimes. to your detriment a lot of times. It's just like, oh, yeah, you've missed yet another trigger. I'll remember it for you. This is the fifth time you've missed a trigger. I'll remember it for you. Uh, this is a casual event. You're still screwing up. Uh, I'll remember it for you. With with having a client like uh, MTG Arena, if they miss the trigger, that's their own problem. You know, you don't have to be you don't have to be this sort of like liaison to the uh, to the community that that you need to be in person. You know, you don't feel um, like you're representing adults playing Magic. Yeah, exactly. and it's and it's not even that. Yeah, that's not even necessarily the problem. You know, I have I have little kids. You know. And I and I could understand the optics if like I drop my twelve year old or thirteen year old off at the game store and I come and pick them up and they're playing against some thirty five year old guy, you know? Yeah, for sure. I understand that. I understand how that looks to other parents. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, I wouldn't necessarily judge that situation because I've lived it. But I understand what people think, and I don't want to put myself or other people in that situation. So I mean, being able I to remember play it online. 
I remember when, you know, like in Ohio, when I'd go to my mom's for the summer and I'd lost my LGS, like I'd have to just figure out places to play, right? My mom would drop me off on like a Wednesday night at a donut shop at like at like midnight to play Magic <laughs> with like the seven other guys that worked at the comic shop, but the comic shop wasn't set up for Magic. At, we'd play at a donut shop for like three or four hours, so she'd pick me up at like four in the morning, and the other guys were like, we're, we're going to Steak and Shake to keep playing. So, you know, like, at least there's places to play now. Um, But being able to play online to me is is paramount to all that. Like, being able to get out and and having, like, I take the bus to work every day. Being able to grind a game of standard on the the way to work, that's great. Yeah. Hey, so I think the other thing with MTG Arena, I don't know how much we're going to get this, but, like, what they have to also manage the impact on game stores, right? I mean, you can't just, you can't just, you're going to suddenly bypass game stores and make your client, your game free to play online. I mean, Mm. that's really, uh, for sure. I think, I think, well, one of the ways that they can do that is by making, uh, by giving incentive for, for product that is physical to become digital. Yeah. So you have a reason to go to a game store, buy packs, right. And then transfer those packs onto your online account. Um, I think that's one way to mitigate like stores feeling the hit on this. If yeah. I were a store, I'd be very worried about this because it, gi- giving someone the option to not play in a store that's good, um, you know, like if there were Hearthstone stores, do you think that people would be playing in them? Probably not, you know. <laughs> so well, y- y- Magic has a lineage of being played in person, so I think they're still that's still important. Right. I mean, it's definitely important for, you know, legacy and vintage, which is an entirely, pretty also an entirely game store. Though you can play both of them online, and I guess you know, what is that set? What is how does that happen? But it, it's not. It hasn't come out yeah. at, online as well, much as you'd expect. You know, Nate, when you think about legacy and and uh, vintage, you know, the, one of the first things that comes to my head is is the legacy community, the vintage community. You don't hear yeah. the standard community. You know, like right. there's not a community of standard players out there. There's not even really a community of modern players. You might have a local community of modern players, but like in vintage and legacy, you know, nationally we have a community. Uh, there are people out there that that like are are sort of the ambassadors for the for this area or that area. You know, and I think that's uh, that's a real big part of the game is like having that ability to uh, you know represent yourself uh, with within that uh, within that click. If it, yeah, that makes sense. Right. It's yes. It reminds me of being in bands, you know, being in punk bands and hardcore bands mm-hmm. in a way, traveling around. I wish we did more regional. I wish we had more regional rivalries and legacy. I think that would be so fun, but you know, we don't yet. <laughs> it's kind of hard. Um, well, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Uh, is there anything else from Hascon that you wanted to touch on? Um, Just... Well, yeah, we did the 25th anniversary for Magic, which was fun. I got into that party, which was a which was a blast. I'm sure if any of you saw me on Instagram, I was having a pretty good time. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it was it was neat to just get in get in with the the uh, the like staff that makes the game and and sort of have access to them. And I think that a lot of uh, bigger, you know, news outlets for Magic didn't take the opportunity to come out, and it really left an opening for uh, for uh, you know hipsters. The professor was there, Wedge was there, um, Kitchen Table Magic uh, was there. So a lot of the smaller uh, smaller uh, news outlets were able to get in there and, and kind of get first access to something that hadn't happened in a really long time. And, like, you know, we were able to sort of get, make a face for ourselves, which was pretty cool to me. Yep. Um, I just, I gotta say about Iconic Masters something, though. You know, I thought it was cool. I think it's awesome that Mana Drain's being reprinted, and that a bunch of other stuff is being reprinted. I just don't understand why they called it Iconic Masters. You know? Yeah, I haven't se- I, like, I mean, I, I don't look at that and go, these are iconic, right? I don't... Well, it's, yeah, I mean... I feel like Eternal, the actual Eternal Masters set that we had not long ago, was closer to that. Yeah. Like it had like swords. Yeah, I guess there's sword splashes in this set too. But like lightning bolt and neck. I guess neck. This set, that's not a good example. Like I don't know, vampiric tutor, wasteland, force of will, Jace the mind sculptor. Like you know, I'm I, I'm. It's weird because I don't want to. I don't want to make too much of a point about this, but I, I just, you know, sort of was wondering like why they called it they could have just called it eternal masters too and i don't think anyone would say anything yeah you know? i i, I do agree with you yeah masters. and it's like 
you know, it, it made me as the cards were being revealed over the course of the de- that day. What I started to feel was like this sadness about how many iconic cards are just locked on the reserve list. Yeah, and it's That's like true. Every, it's like everything from duels and power to like academy and survival, like. Those it's, are all on the reserve list. It's <laughs> like, incredibly depressing when when you think about what what iconic master should be, um, and what it's allowed to be. Right, like that's that's a real tough. Uh, it, it it hurts it hurts my heart a little bit thinking about it. That you know we have this uh, you know we have this game that's twenty five years old, and there are cards that like when you think about the game, your head goes right to those cards, right? And you're not allowed to put reprint those cards, so you can't like you know. How cool would it have been to open like a, a Library of Alexandria deck, uh, you know, like a Library of Alexandria and like a strip mine, you know, kind of kind of yeah. thing, right? Or like, right. you know, uh, oh, I'll get the look at that. I opened a Gaia's Cradle. That's amazing. You know, uh, yeah. it, it's you know, dual lands. You know, all these things that, that really to me are iconic in the game that you weren't allowed to. You're just not allowed to open. Yeah, well, and the thing, yeah, and then you know that, that makes the the things that are sort of questionable even more so. Like, I mean, the thing that they did was like Eternal Masters had Wasteland of Force of Will and Jace, you know, which is mm-hmm. like a new bordered card. I don't want it to be all like only old bordered cards are iconic. Um, and then you could even go like, what new bordered cards are iconic? Well, Tarmogoyf, Dark Confidant. Bendillion Click; those were all just reprinted yeah, as yeah. well in the Modern Masters. Yep. So like, they took a lot of their own bullets out of the gun so to speak and then i still i could not believe they didn't reprint rashad right yeah and the reason is rashad port has been the best card in masks for like 25 years or however long masks came out like it's been the best card the whole time yeah it's the most iconic card in that set (laughs) and they're saving it i'm assuming for the 25th anniversary or eternal masters or whatever it comes out next magic 25th edition yeah that's the other thing coming out anniversary yeah I, really, it's like um, like I'm like I saying, I don't want to complain, but I could have I could have waited till the next master set for Flusterstorm and would have been happier to see Rashad and Port. Is, sure. that, is that what I want to say here? Or I would have happily taken a hit on Wastelands or Forces of Will again to see yeah. like that's the iconic card, you know? I don't know. One of the other oh, go on. No, I'm just saying like I'm happy. I don't want it to be like griping about reprints because I'm absolutely not meaning to do that. Like the order and, and the grand scheme of things, the order of reprints doesn't really matter. But yeah, Dark uh, Depths doesn't have another non-foil reprint. That's an iconic card. And Dark De- <laughs> Depths needs that reprint because they changed the ruling on Blood Moon. Yes, good segue. <laughs> we want to do some of these new rulings. We're not going to do the set excellent today, but yeah, let's talk about these new rulings. Before we do that, I wanted to say one last thing about Hascon. Oh sure, yeah. I had a moment to talk with with Mark Rosewater, uh, and I asked him what he thought about Dominaria. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like what he could tell me, and he said, uh, "If you've been playing Magic for as long as you have, Zach, uh, and your heart doesn't melt for the Dominaria set, you you just don't have one." <laughs> so my heart's going to melt. Yeah, he's he he gave me he he gave me his like seal of approval guarantee that me personally. I'm gonna be happy with Dominaria. So uh, I, you know, like I, I, don't know how much Mark knows knows about me, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I have to hope at the very least that it's gonna be pretty awesome. Well, I hope so. All um, right. So going into going into these rules changes. Yeah. So I guess let's talk about the Blood Moon one first. And yeah. I guess there's a ruling that with a Blood Moon in play or Humility in play now, anything that's sort of like the way layers work is that. Things that, as they enter the battlefield, would happen don't. Um, yeah, so as or you, when it enters the battlefield. Well, the, the winds never happened under a blood moon. Okay. So, for example, like a colony garden never made a plant under a blood moon. It was just a tapped mountain. Okay. But as effects, which is things like coming in with counters, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a case with humility that is important, sort of. Um, but... For the most, in the most part, it's going to be Blood Moon and lands with counters, or Megas the Moon and lands with counters. Um, that's not going to happen, and so that means you can under Dark Depths, you will play an untapped. Oh, that's the other thing; things won't come into play tapped. <laughs> now, that means that your um, 
your uh, creeping tar pit. Yeah, yeah, your yeah. creeping tar pit comes in as an untapped mountain. Great. <laughs> Great, which you can't use to kill the Blood Moon. That's keeping it from being a, 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 anything else. But Dark Depths will come in with no counters on it, which means the Blood Moon's ever removed. The Dark Depths immediately makes Mirror Lage. What do you th- is this better or worse? I think this is fair, or, yeah. honestly, because if there's a deck that's I'm the Land's Blood Moon deck, and they're playing, like, Magus of the Moon to try and, like, play Dark Depths to kill their Magus of the Moon, go for it. Go for it, man. Like, that's that's just fine. I think that's well, okay. Like, what about Blood Moon as a weapon against lands? Well, so that, okay, so that that's where I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about, but I think it's okay. Like, those decks have a pretty good matchup against lands decks. Um, and if this makes their matchup slightly worse, fine. I, I really don't think it's enough of a metric that, like, anybody who's playing the Big Red Blood Moon deck should be like, oh, now we lo- now we occasionally lose to lands when we don't play two Blood Moons. When they have Cross and Grip and, and Blood Moon? Yeah, I think, like... Or when they have Cross and Grip and Dark Depths, yeah. You probably lost the Cross and Grip and Dark Depths anyway. Yeah, <laughs> the way I look at it is, like, if you're a Blood Moon deck and you get a Blood Moon down on turn one and you don't get another Blood Moon effect down, like, in that game... Then yeah, you I guess you lost, but like, you don't win with Blood Moon. You know, you win with other cards, so yeah. you still have to be doing other other stuff. And I think that if you're just playing, like, oh my opponent's got a Dark Depths in play, and now I can't. Now if he gets rid of my Blood Moon, I'm gonna die. I don't think it's that big of a deal, honestly. I think I think this is fine, and I don't think it changes the matchup that much. Yep. So there, that's the. That's the major only like because Blood Moon's heavily played, Dark Depths is fairly heavily played in Legacy. Um, humility is a played card, um, and the only thing I could think of with Humility besides the obvious things not coming in with counters is Phyrexian Revoker and Meddling Mage, where you, they as they as they enter the battlefield you name a card. Yeah. Um, so that may be a corner case. If so, if you have Humility and Jace out, they can't revoke the Jace. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, but I don't know if the Revoker would have actually... I think they would have named Jace and it wouldn't have been revoked. <laughs> yeah. Because the other other ability would have been lost, but uh, Overwhelming Splendor, which just came out in Hour of Devastation and is a Academy Rector target, uh, has that effect as well. And I think... I think... Titania's Song... <laughs> oh, man. Uh, ...means that Artifacts... Like a pithing needle <laughs> would also not you would not be able to name a card. You just have a blank artifact. Blank pithing needle. Okay. If it's Titanius songs ever in play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's a thing for uh, old school. If they don't change the the rule for that in old school, you know, that's a possibility. Yeah. Not for pithing needle, but I'm sure for for some other stuff. Oh, uh, I can't even think of one. No, I mean, uh, I, I I honestly <laughs> cannot. Yeah. I don't think name a card happens until Mirage, and uh, according to the old school, that hasn't come out yet. Yeah. What, Lobotomy? Um, uh, no, uh, is Lobotomy? No, nah, Lobotomy is Invasion. Uh, um, Null Chamber. Null Chamber. I actually saw that on the table the other day. I think it was an EDH game, though. Yeah, it sounds like an EDH oh, that's game. On, that's on the reserved list, so... Um, the other rules change was that Planeswalkers are now all legendary permanents. So the type line is all being eroded to say legendary Planeswalker dash uh, Planeswalker type, which is Jace, Elspeth, Xenagos, Domri. Yeah. <laughs> um, Xenagos. And- <laughs> oh my god! I couldn't think of any planeswalkers. They, I went right. They to did uh <laughs> they did like a sort of a game show thing at Hascon where like they they picked three teams and were like, you know, like name a planeswalker until you screw up or name someone else's planeswalker that they've already named. And I don't think Xenagos was even named. <laughs> they didn't even get to Xenagos. <laughs> That's because, like, the creature is way better. Um. So and that the the other change of that rule is that you can now have. Planeswalkers with the same type, um, which means as long as they have different names, which means that you can have, for example, um, what's a good duo? duo? Duretti, Ingenious Iconoclast, and Duretti, Scrap Savant, out in play. He loves junk. So, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Hold on a second. Is there any one you want? So we're going to do like what? What is? What is this good for? Is this good for a particular planeswalker? I think the number one is Jace. Jace, yeah. Um, because well, both because Jace, the mind sculptor, already is a played is probably the most played planeswalker, right? And and, and the flip Vince, Jace, uh, yeah, flip Jace, the Vrin's prodigy, uh, is is easily the next most played planeswalker in in probably legacy. Or uh, definitely in vintage, but uh, possibly in legacy. I don't think in legacy. L- Liliana. No, I don't think in legacy. Yeah, Liliana would definitely be number two, and I bet that Gideon, Ally of Zendikar, is up there. But the reason Jace Brings Prodigy hasn't traditionally been played in legacy it's is that it Jace... dies. Creep. I'm sorry. It dies. It dies to creature removal. Yes, but also yeah, that's... it dies to your own Jace being in play. Right, and with and with a longer game, you're gonna draw your Jace, the Mind Sculptor, yeah, while you have a Jace Fringe Prodigy out its dead card. Which I so I think that actually does help Jace Fringe Prodigy be played mm-hmm. because the downside of it dying to creature removal isn't so bad. If like the the upside when it lives is that you don't have you don't have to kill it yourself because um, Jace Telepath Unbound is a very good card. So. I think uh, Liliana's Last Hope will start to see play in in Legacy as well. Yeah, and it, the thing is, right now in Legacy, Liliana the Veil is not super popular. Um, so it's interesting that already you could, it was a choice between the Lilianas to see which one was better. Yeah. Having them both is, you know, I'm a Liliana guy. You know, it's it's good. It's not, it's never going to be bad. The thing is, if you have two Planeswalkers out, you're probably winning anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so whatever. Uh, I do like this idea with Doretti now that I've mentioned him. Um, there's one that's a three and one that's a four. Um, you can plus, you can play Doretti in Genius Iconoclast, plus it to make a defender, and then play Doretti the next, the other Doretti the next turn, and then sacrifice that defender to reanimate an artifact if you've already, like, dumped something like Inqualivite, then, you know, that's not going to happen all the time, but that is possible. They, they worked well together. Um, the Gideons, I think, are interesting. Um, yeah. Gideon, Gideon dot deck, right? Yeah. Well, it's because that one Gideon says if you control a Gideon Planeswalker, I mean, that's, you know, that's important for that. Yeah. Um, Tezzerets, I think both Tezzerets are good. But the thing is, like, sticking one of those Tezzerets probably wins you the game. So yeah. often they never need the second one. <laughs> I mean, definitely in Vintage, getting getting the Seeker down is, is game over most of the time. Um, and what's the other one? Uh... Agent of Bolas. Agent of oh, Bolas. Like four Tezzerets now. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. There's so many Tezzerets. Uh, but getting Agent of Bolas down, uh, almost you know, like a, a a turn after generally puts your opponent in, in a pretty sticky situation with life. But like having both of them on at the same time doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah, I mean they're just they, they you know they're both good. They're both playable, and yeah. you can now have them. Um, I do think that the other the flip Liliana and the flip Nissa. So Nissa Vital Force is played. The other, the flip Nissa um, requires seven lands to flip, and the backside of it's pretty good. It's like plus one draw card, <laughs> um, unless it's a land, and when you case you just put it in play or something like that. Yeah, actually, that's a good card, and if you are so inclined, you could play it. Um, hold on, I actually looked this up and I didn't do it, but. Uh, uh, so, oh, this is Sage Animist. Yeah, plus one, reveal the top card. If it's a land, put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put it into your hand. Well, I mean, that's plus one draw a card. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and it's minus it's two. Slightly better than plus one draw a card. Yeah. So uh, that's that's like a nice card if, you, if you're if you playing some sort of ramp deck. You can even, then you, maybe people look at the Nissa Steward of Elements or something like yeah. that. Um, and the other, the Flip Liana is actually pretty good let's just look up that liliana that's liliana heretical healer on the front face and liliana heretical healer is a two 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 three for three and when another non-token creature you control dies it flips and you get a two two black zombie like that's a pretty nice card anyway it's not great at three mana in legacy but the fact that you can you know, you get a planeswalker on the other side that's plus two each player discards. Uh, minus X, get a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah. Those are pretty good, and if it's not gonna compete with if it's not gonna die to you having a Liliana the Veil in play, sort of controlling their hand and preventing them from um 
you know, uh, stopping your 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 creature. Like if you get them hell bent with the original Liliana, um, and not have to choose at the end, it just makes it a little bit better. Um, so I think those those are good. Um, other than that, I can't think of another. I don't know if there's any other planeswalkers that you know of that are even fringe playable. There's not another deck yet. Maybe we'll get another deck. Ralzarek and Dak should basically be the same planeswalker anyhow. Right. Um, I mean, are they are they not the same? <laughs> um, where, where's Ralzarek from? Is he from Ravnica? He's he's Ravnica. He's an Izzet Guild guy. Isn't Jace also the Izzet Guild planeswalker? I don't he know. just hangs out with the Izzet Guild. He's not he's not, you know, full Izzet. Yeah, one day. they all the Jaces have been mono blue, right? They haven't monkeyed with his character like they did with everyone else. They really should. I mean, eventually they're just going to put out, like, what a, like what colors would Liliana even be other than black, though, right? That's true. I guess Liliana's always been black. This Nissa's got two colors. Gideon? Nissa, yeah, Nissa's got two. Is there, Gideon oh, could easily be red and, red and white. Yeah. Um, oh, Johnny has a bunch of cards. Yeah. Johnny's got, like, what, green and white as well? And a red and white. Oh, is it a red and white? Yeah, he's all over the place. He's all over the place. The red Naya and white Johnny is the best card, yeah. Um, the three-mana Johnny, I've been trying to make work for however long it's been uh, out. Yeah. I have ultimated that in a in a sanctioned game of Legacy. All the two cats. <laughs> yeah, get 20, 22 cats. Is that good? 22-2-2 is good. Um, so that's another possibility, but I don't know. We'll see where this goes. I think that can only get, you know, that's the kind of rule that can only get more broken. Uh, as they print more planeswalkers, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, so what else do we have on the docket? Well, we have Eternal Extravaganza on Saturday. Yeah. And I will be going, and you will be playing vintage most I'll likely be there on Sunday. Uh, assuming that I am not uh, not you know dead in my bed uh, from from a hangover that that Sunday morning, I should be there on Sunday to play vintage. I am in Chicago for a work trip and I'm going from here to Philadelphia and I was packing up before I left and I finally just decided to play blue red Delver at this event on Saturday. I think it's a good call. Uh, There were a couple reasons why one was that I just couldn't get, I couldn't build like a, one of the super greedy decks that I really liked. I built storm, but I'm not ready to play storm. (laughs) <laughs> for a hundred dollars yeah. on the line in yeah. a for hundred dollar for permanent uh, tournament tournament rather, um, and I also you know to be honest I didn't want to bring a lot of cards with me, like a lot of expensive cards. Yeah, and volcanic islands are not cheap, but I don't have to bring volcanics and undergrounds. Yeah, you know, <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. So I ended up on this blue red deck, and I. Th- think it's a good call i expect there to be a lot of greedy mana bases to price out oh yeah and lands is just sort of naturally popular in that area so i i hope we hope we get a good turnout i hope it's a good tournament um for uh our friends at uh tales of adventures sake yeah i i'm i'm excited uh specifically excited for the vintage event but uh Man, I really wish I could go on Saturday to play to play Infect because I feel like this is this is the time. Oh man, I should have brought Infect. I forgot I have that deck. <laughs> you can drive up and borrow it. This is pretty much the same deck, except it doesn't kill on turn two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really um, like Infect right now as as a deck to to play because yeah, there are a lot of removal decks out there, but I feel like everyone's just being so greedy. They're trying all this crazy different stuff, and your deck's so linear and able to uh, answer combo decks that, like, you're kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's how I felt about the red-blue deck, too, you know? Yeah, I mean, and Price of Progress is a hell of a card. Price of Progress is going to be good. Um, I am think I'm going to... I think I my, my creature uh, uh, orientation now is four Delver, four Swift Spear... Uh, then three Storm Chaser Mage, one Snapcaster, and one Grim Lava Mancer. Um, I just kind of feel like I want a Grim Lava Mancer in the deck because, like, a card like Baleful Strix really scares me. <laughs> um, just like them getting that down and yeah. like being able to block one of my guys and just trade with it no matter what I do. I'm I don't want to waste a burn spell on it. 
I'm surprised you're going with Storm Chaser Mage and not Young Pyro. Well, I think the aggressive version, you want Storm Chaser Mage. I did bring my Pyromancers and Stifles and stuff to, like, mm-hmm. like uh, theoretically, there's, like, a more reactive build of this deck, but I don't really... I don't really think that that's something I want to do. Like Soul Scar Mage is in some of the aggressive Soul builds. Scar, I'm not playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not playing that. I like Soul Scar Mage. <laughs> I, I like the idea that, that that's a card that can take down a Tarmogoyf. Well, Tarmogoyf is is not very not well played. used. Not played. I yeah. will say this though. So the sideboard is really where I think the rubber meets the road with this deck right now. Because my the if you look at the second place deck from Grand Prix Vegas. You know, I'm not doing much different there. He had like a Fire Blast and a Vapor Snag and a Thunderous Wrath. And I didn't bring any of those cards with me. <laughs> so I'm not going to have those cards, though I might try and track down um, a Vapor Snag for Merit Lage. Or, I like Vapor Snag a lot right now. Yeah. Um, but I've got like Submerge in my board. I don't know. Whatever. I'll figure something out. Um, but the sideboard, I'm, I put two true names in the sideboard thinking that if I do play against one of these super greedy, grindy decks, that I'm going to want to, like, just go back and forth, let them kill my guys, you know, let them play things out. And then, like, true name is a, a thing that could really sort of dominate the board. Mm-hmm. And then I have Price of Progress to sweep up quickly from there, yeah. too. Um, and a Braid. So a Braid and Monastery Swift Spear also kills a um, Gurmag Angler. True. Because you do three and then it gets a prowess trigger. So I think a braid is an interesting card because I, I also expect to see a lot of chalices. Yeah. I just think. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean a relatively large amount of chalices, right? I mean, Nate, right now the top eight decks, I think the there's a tie for eighth and big red is one of those uh, ties. Yes. Uh, our friend Tony Loman is coming in bringing big red. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a, which is a good call. I mean, the, the deck is really good. One of the reasons I'm not playing the Esper Delver deck that I've been doing so well with is that I think that people have sort of clued in to the fact that Blood Moon is good, and that deck could not beat a Blood Moon. Yeah, <laughs> not even a little bit. Like it was just it was just really hard to beat. So I think there will be. A, I think this will be a polarizing sort of format in terms of what decks are doing. There will be like the super greedy decks. Then there will be the decks trying to punish super greedy decks. And I think that equals Blood Moons, and I didn't want to play against that with Esper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, the the top eight just uh, you know ground us here as far as what the decks are looking like. You've got four color Leovold, then you've got Grixis Delver, Ad Nauseam Tendrils, three color Miracles, uh, Jeskai Stoneblade, mm-hmm. uh, then Big Red. Big Red six. Um, then you've got uh, Black Green Depths, uh, Elves. Death and Taxes, uh, and de- so Elves, Death and Taxes, and Black Green Depths are all tied for uh, like seventh, eighth place. Seventh, eighth, and ninth. Yep. yep. And and you know what? I gotta be honest that it does the the card Dark Depths does scare me. Mm. <laughs> like a fast Dark Depths is not gonna be something I can easily beat. That's why I was thinking, oh, I should have grabbed my Vapor Snags. I forgot. I didn't think about it until I got uh, halfway across the country. Yeah, I mean, oh. the, the being able to throw down an exploration and then kill you two turns later with a twenty twenty is is tough. I mean, you just got to force exploration. You just can't ever let it resolve. Yep, it's it is the most broken card in that deck. But even the black green depths deck, like they're gonna thought seize me and then like have pedal spirit guide to yep. power out their merit lage. So. I mean, I might have to make some more changes. I think I have Pithing Needle, and I might, have, might either go up to two needles or uh, um, play some more Bounce or something. But like those decks are set up to beat decks like mine, and that's sort of how things are. Like I said, it's like yeah. a polarizing, it's a polarizing meta right now, where your deck is super tuned to beat other decks. If that like certain kinds of other decks, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Um. I'll so, tell you, looking at this, looking at this top eight, and even the, the next, the next three decks are Eldrazi, Stompy, Blue Red, Delver, and Grixis, uh, and that's like a Grixis control. Um, you know, there's no Infect on this list, which I, I think is another great reason to play Infect because people just will not be expecting it as a deck if they're if you know these these are tournaments that are heavily metagamed. So people look at these these like top eight decks and are like, this is what I've got to play against. So they don't think sideboard for for your uh, for for the more fringe decks and i don't even consider 
Infect a fringe deck. It's a really great deck uh, that has been doing pretty well lately. I think it just won a, a larger tournament recently. Yeah, it was, it was the Atlanta Star City Classic. Yeah, and you know this Grixis Shell, the, that Grixis deck you talked about, the Grixis Control deck. Mm-hmm. I did consider that was the deck I would have brought otherwise, and uh, and I decided not to because of the value of the cards. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was one of the reasons. Like I decided, like I don't want to bring my Jaces and my Underground Seas if I can help it. You know, <laughs> um, that's totally. And otherwise, I'm going to be playing this deck. This deck has Blood Moon in it. In fact, I've, and that's where I, I saw this deck online a couple times, and it's pretty, it's pretty sick. Like yeah. it's a pretty cool deck. Um, but uh, but like that shell is just so dominant that it's hard to figure out what to go against it with. I mean, going against it with blue red is almost interesting because you're just not playing the black cards. You know? Yeah. I did briefly consider playing Rug Delver, actually, but I I couldn't I couldn't decide what I wanted to bring for creatures. Yeah, it's so hard right now. Rug Rug's in such a wonky place that it's it's not a not a deck I would want to play at this that this particular tournament. I, I I'd want to wait till the metagame settles a little bit and I have a much better idea. Um, you know, you can sneak in with Rug occasionally. Like I had that weekend at the New York uh, Grand Prix where I yep. you know I went what six and one or seven and one. Uh, you know, uh, those, when you figure out exactly what you're playing against and you know the metagame, you can tune rug really well. But I think, uh, I think right now there's still, there's still enough flux and the deck, the deck that preys upon rug is the deck that plays Gurmog Angler. And a lot of people are playing Gurmog Anglers right now. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's something that, you know, this burnt, this deck that's basically counter burn, um, you know, I'm going to go with that and see what happens. But Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think I, it's a great deck to play. Yeah. Um, before we go, it's been about 50 minutes, so I, we never did last week actually talk about the restrictions in Vintage. Yeah, let's talk about the restrictions in Vintage for a second. So, I mean, I really wanted to, and then I feel like what well, we went like 120 minutes or something like that on the last episode. So, yeah, I, I think we, we never just, got back to it. I just went long on my, on my ranting. Well, I mean, I think that... Uh, it, I, I'm not thrilled by the restriction of Thorn. Like it doesn't make me feel like, oh, that's really it for workshops. And here, you're looking at shops right now, it's still the number one deck. You know? Yeah. If 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 shops is like a sort of monolithic thing, um, and getting rid of uh, a a monastery mentor, oh, this one still has four in it. I'm looking at the there's been tournaments really, um. Or cutting Monastery Mentor down. It's funny because now Mentor hits the table like a Yawgmoss will. I was watching some vintage streams, and it's just like, oh wait, well he got his mentor, so the game's over. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 crazy how powerful it was, and how now that you you only ever play one, how obvious that is. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's like now it's time to win. Before it was just like I'll I'll, I'll jam this and see what happens. Now you yeah. wait until it's time, and then you and then you do it. And with yeah. a you know a plethora of ways to get it into your hand, uh, between tutor effects and cantrips and, and everything, uh, I don't I don't think it changes the the mentor deck that much. It does make it slightly less great, but um, I think the deck was fine. Honestly, I don't I, I didn't feel oppressed by that deck. It's just a way another way that the that shell can win a game, and I mm-hmm. think the shell's fair. Honestly. Yeah, I think that well, I think what we're we're seeing that one mentor the most is just in these paradoxical outcome decks yeah. now, and that <laughs> that card is not a fair card. It's a silly magic card for sure. I mean, it definitely feels like a vintage card. Yeah, if that if that, that card that, had been printed twenty years ago, I would I would have been like, oh, how did I miss that? That's an amazing yeah. magic card. Yeah, um, I still think they got to get. I don't know. I, I think if they really want to open things up, I really think they got to get rid of Metal Misstep. But yeah, that's just me. I think like it's just honestly, if they want to open things up, they really got to get rid of Misha's Workshop. Yeah, well, that's why that's what we talked about in the in the episode. It's just like I just don't. Not that I think you're wrong, but it's it's like brainstorm, and I just don't. I yeah. can't see them doing it. I feel like literally everything else will be restricted first. It's, it's going to come to that eventually. Like you. How long for the, can this deck reign before they're like, look, we're going to restrict Misha's Workshop, and then are they going to unrestrict everything that they restricted because of it? You know, like... It's <laughs> the like... thing about... 
Okay. They unrestrict Mishra's workshop. This deck actually already has Tolarian Academy in it. So I was gonna say like at least one of them just gets replaced by Tolarian Academy. Sure. <laughs> I don't know how I don't know. I mean, how the... do you not play Academy sure. in a deck full of artifacts, right? Well, I guess it is is it a staple in all those decks? I don't feel like it's always been. Maybe it is. I don't know. I feel like that I feel like I never really saw it in play out of those decks. Because it doesn't do anything on turn one. No. You know? No, it doesn't. So you know, but that does seem like it's become more of a staple now that there have been more of these uh, um, artifact creatures, these cheap artifact creatures yeah. that come down played. So I could just be wrong, but Thorn, but like Thorn is a one of like you know whatever you know. Yeah, it's, is that it's... really? That's not really going to do anything. This guy is three Tangle Wire. Like okay. <laughs> Good thing we restricted Thorn. I guess you can't play Tanglewire turn one. Off you, I mean, you two. can. It just doesn't do anything. It's it's not good. Um, the the thing the thing about Mishra's workshop is it's not just like the it's it's not the one turn one workshop. I do a thing go that's that's broken. It's the turn two workshop, dude. After you've done a thing, like if you go turn one workshop Trinisphere and then turn two workshop Triskillion, the game is over. Priest Cursor Golem. Yeah, the, yeah, the Precursor game's over. Golem is still like popping up. Yeah, Precursor Golem's amazing. If you have to spend three mana to, to kill it, you can't do anything until turn two, man. You're the game's over yeah. until turn turn three, even. You know, like that's it. The the good good night. You've lost. You've taken nine damage. Nine damage. Even if you get rid of it, like I'm gonna play a Triskelion and shoot you for two. Or Walking Ballista at this point. Yeah, exactly. Or so, I, yeah. I, I mean. The, the, it's it's impossible for for me to think that they would just be like, oh, we'll continue to restrict good cards from this deck until the deck's unplayable, right? Because that's really that seems the way that they're they're tilting is like we'll just keep you know we'll see if we can get people to not play this card, and it's not happening. This is an entrenched community. You can't stop people from playing with a thousand dollar card unless you take it away from them. That's the yeah. only way you're going to get them to stop playing it. You don't just up and decide to buy a new, uh, a, a new vintage deck. You're entrenched <laughs> in that vintage deck. So the only way you're going to stop playing it is if someone says you're not allowed to play with this card in multiples anymore. You need to stop. It's it's not okay. You'll figure yeah. out ways to make that card work. Vintage is a very wide open format, and I'm sure there are ways to fix to to like fix vintage through better deck building. But it's just not going to happen. Hold on, I'm looking at a bug vintage deck that has Leovold, Tarmogoyf, Manglehorn, Trigon Predator, and Green Sun Zenith. I gotta play vintage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, a, very, it's a very fun format. Um, it's just not fun when your opponent plays turn one, turn one Chalice or turn one Trinisphere, and then you're like, well, all the cool things I was gonna do, I'm not gonna do because I'm now not allowed to play vintage against you, but you're allowed to keep playing vintage against me. Yeah, because you get to play vintage, because you get to play workshop yeah and moxes and stuff yeah i don't know it's it's gonna be they're gonna it's a it's gonna be something they really have to navigate carefully for I, sure i don't think it'll I, kill the format i definitely think that it will make a lot of people upset of yeah. that i'm sure but there's never a situation where a where a restriction or a banning happens where people aren't upset it's how do you how do you choose to uh give that news to the to the players and how do the players deal with it um for for me, the Thorn of Amethyst uh, restriction meant nothing. It meant nothing. I didn't even react to that in a way that I cared about what Thorn of Amethyst was. It could have been any other card from that deck that they restricted, and I'd have felt the same way. Why is it not Mishra's Workshop? Yeah. Well, that's the thing about Thorn of... Like, Thorn, you know, I guess it's it's annoying, but it's like... Workshops is a brute force deck, right? Yeah. What's the whatever the most powerful thing as I can do with my hand, I'm gonna do it, right? And th they don't always draw a thorn. They don't always draw a sphere, but they could draw like Foundry Inspect Inf Inspector. That's a pretty nice turn one play. Yep. It's a three two that that reduces all your other stuff, and you could like metamorph it on turn two, and then play like a Phyrexian Revoker on your Mox. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's possible. This deck, that, just that, one workshop. That's pretty often kind of thing that happens. Honestly, like the Fre the turn one thing, turn two Phyrexian Revoker on your on your Mox is not is not out of the question. It's it's not even a bad it's not even a bad draw for that deck. 
like turn one foundry inspector turn two metamorph the foundry inspector revoker your thing wasteland you that's like a perfectly possible play yeah like that's yeah and then they've got they've got eight power i mean it, it's just it is that's the thing that's the thing though, though like taking out thorn like that there's no thorn involved in that you know yeah no, it's know. it's a it's a very good deck, and I think that one Mishra's workshop is totally okay. I think that you know they can find ways to play things like City of Traders instead. You know they'll be they'll be fine. They'll just be upset that their you know nine hundred dollar Magic card is now worth four hundred dollars again. I doubt it would go down that. It much. wouldn't even go down that much. Honestly, it wouldn't. It would go down I, it for would a very short period of time. Quadruple. Yeah. The number of vintage players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you could quadruple the number of vintage players. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like yeah. more people would be able to play this format because the price of the price of the deck would drop, you know? Like Well, by three thousand dollars. Yeah. Well you can only assume that the price of City of Traders would go up, right? That's just that's just aching to happen anyway. Yeah. Like I don't want to talk about buyouts, but there's been a lot of reserve list buyouts. And, I mean, it's funny, it's cards that aren't played. City of Traders still hanging out there, 95 bucks TCG low. I mean, that thing could be $300 tomorrow. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> cut that out. Cut that out of the, <laughs> cut that out of the thing. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think that, that might be it for us, huh? Yep. Yep, that's all for us. Please uh, check out all the stuff Zach did at, uh, at HasCon on our Patreon I mean, it's really worth it, and uh, we really do appreciate your help. So yeah, one uh, last call to action. There, it's a uh, it's Patreon dot com slash Eternal Dirtles. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think that's it for this week. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks. Have a good night, everybody. Where does he get those wonderful toys?